Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special uh, Royal Aeronautical Society podcast in celebration of International Women Engineering Day 2021. Um, my name is Laura Huang, um, and I am a Senior Human Factors Engineer at VAE Systems, and I'm joined here today uh, by uh, Sophie Harker, Poppy Howell, and Erica Romas. Um, I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves and I'll come back to myself. So, Poppy. Yeah, hello, uh, I'm Poppy and I'm a, a student. I've recently completed my undergraduate degree in aerospace engineering at the University of Nottingham. And I'm going to be going on to study as a postgraduate later this year. Sophie? Hi, yeah, so my name is Sophie Harker. Um, I'm a senior engineer at BA Systems, currently working on flight control systems, previously an aerodynamicist on hypersonic and space planes, which is good fun. Um, and that's about it for me. Uh, moving on to Erica. Hi, thank you. Uh, I'm Erica Hermos. Many people say Ramos because it's just easier, <laughs> but in Brazil we say Ramos. Uh, so I'm from Brazil, uh, born and raised. Uh, I moved to the, to the UK three years ago to do my master's degree. And currently I am a manufacturing engineer at Airbus Broughton. And my role is focused on drilling and fastening technologies and uh, for single aisle. And yeah, having a lot of fun. Loving to be here. <laughs> ah, thanks everyone for introductions. Um, so I, I guess I, I, I should introduce myself as well. Um, like I said before, my name's Laura. I work at BA Systems as a human factors engineer. Um, and I've only actually been in the role for uh, two weeks. Um, I've had 11 different roles within my short-ish career at BA Systems. Um, really, really varied. Um, I've worked from sort of the, the design phase into the in-service support phases um, on all the different platforms as well. So um, Hawk, Typhoon, um, F-85 and um, Tempest, um, as well as looking at the sort of civil um, side of things and testing um, technologies for um, civil aviation. So, um, Sophie, um, I guess I'll start with you because um, we both work at BA Systems mm -hmm. and we both work on sort of the, a similar program, but we do very different things. Yes, yes, we do. Um, and I, I've not moved around quite as much as you. you you've, you've had a, quite a varied career of your years, um, whereas I've been more uh, long term for two, for two or three, three roles. Um, but we, we've worked on the same project. We currently are on the same project, aren't we? Um, but uh, I've never actually properly worked together because that says on how big and complex everything that we work on is, is that we don't actually, um, how, well, we haven't so far interacted um, in, in a professional manner, which is um, odd to say the least. Um, but it's been good fun getting to sort of understand all the different parts of, of what we do. And like, as you say, doing 11 roles, there are so many different aspects to, to engineering and aerospace. It's not just, you know, you're not just an aerodynamicist or you're not just a systems engineer. Or you're not just in human factors or testing, whatever it is. You can move between those. Um, and like myself, I've gone from aerodynamics and my current role is, is sort of a split between aerodynamics and systems engineering. Um, and you do get to have a taste of all those different things. I don't know if you've had the, the same over in, in Airbus, Erica. 
sorry can you repeat that <laughs> um, I was gonna say um have you had the the same thing over in Airbus where you've been able to move around lots of different projects and different roles yeah so uh, my department is manufacturing engineering and uh, throughout Airbus uh, Airbus is such a big company like BA Systems and uh, throughout uh, manufacturing engineering we've got different uh, departments like uh, automation mind is focused on drilling and fastening so i've been working on projects uh, for health and safety and again totally different things happening and there are days that i work in three different things and have to speak with so many different people uh, i find that it's quite exciting actually because because you don't get bored really <laughs> You, you yeah. have so much going on that uh, I think when you slow down, you feel like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> yeah, but 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 yeah, I do have contact with lots of different projects, and uh, yeah, I do enjoy it quite a lot. And um, mm. yeah, when I, I I remember that when I was a student, my my main focus was like I need to get a job after finish my master's degree. And uh, I done my, my thesis with Airbus as part of my, my master's degree in aerospace materials. Mm. And, uh, and, and it was great. I was like, I want to work here. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, yeah. And then I, I, I done my best to, to join the company and uh, it's been great. And, uh, and one of the things that I also thought uh, when I was in my master's degree was, uh, uh, getting to a PhD, and I know that Poppy is looking at it. Uh, what are you looking for, Poppy? <laughs> I am, yeah. Well, I've, I'm, I'm all confirmed. I finished last week in my, my for my MEng, and I'm going on. Woohoo! Going yeah, on uh, <laughs> <laughs> next year to. Uh, I'm doing a master's in research next year at the University of Cambridge, which will hopefully give me a good foundation for the following following three years at uh, Loughborough um so yeah I'm, I'm really excited but it's um interesting because I think if you'd have told me two years ago that I'd be going on to do a PhD or even anything research-based um I'd probably have thought that you were talking about a different person um <laughs> so it's it's interesting how different experiences can lead you to to different points I think for me it was actually my my year in industry funnily enough um when I was at BAE systems but I was working on secondment at reaction engines I only had a, a couple of weeks left to kind of fill the gap I ended up doing my own little individual research project that I was a little bit a little bit worried about something I wouldn't thought I'd be too great at um something I probably ordinarily wouldn't have really wanted to volunteer for um but I really enjoyed it and got so much out of it and that was kind of the turning point of all oh, this actually you know research might be might be something for me and then doing my my master's project this year as well um, has has yeah led me led me to that that decision. But we talk about variation. It's it's quite interesting because we're all just within within aerospace. And I think of the the kind of wider engineering industry. I know for me at school when I decided I wanted to do aerospace engineering, I thought that I was um, narrowing myself down a little bit too much rather than maybe doing mechanical engineering or or broader based and so it's interesting Laura that you mentioned your 11 varied roles and how much variety you've got from that and I kind of just think that's within is that all within BAE systems itself I mean that's yeah. it's crazy isn't it 
It is. I'm previous to working in aerospace, I actually worked in civil engineering. So I did uh, my year in industry in civil engineering. So it's all oh, wow. transferable skills um, that you, you get within, within engineering. And of course, you don't have to have studied engineering at university. You could have come, become an apprentice. But Sophie, you, you didn't do engineering at uni, no. did you? No, I didn't. I did maths. So it was a bit of a shock when I came into engineering. <laughs> like, oh, wow. Yeah, I did maths for four years. I did a master's in maths. So it was all very theoretical and um, no practical skills whatsoever. <laughs> and I knew nothing about aircraft. Absolutely nothing. Like I, I couldn't have told you how, how a plane flew. I knew absolutely nothing. I knew fluid dynamics. That was my like special subject. Um, mm. But it wasn't an aero aero. Um, influence and so like I had to learn about not just aerospace industry but about like planes themselves like I remember specifically I bought like the fighter jet top trumps and I used to sit and play fighter jet top trumps <laughs> with my friends so I could learn about some of the aircraft that that you know not only that BAE um, uh, manufacturing design but also you know historical ones and future concepts which is funnily enough what led me into what I do now which is all the futuristic stuff which I find really interesting um, and it does just go to show that no matter, you know, how you get your way in, you know, we've all come in in different routes and, and slight different things, but it all, like you say, it's all transferable. And so, you know, if you decided you don't want to be in, you know, the military division anymore, like, like, like um, myself and Laura are, you could move across to the civil space um, or, you know, not that I'm advocating for it, could leave aerospace entirely and go and do something completely different, go and work in green energy or motorsport. And funnily enough, motorsport has a lot of uh, synergies to, to aerospace. So it all of those skills give you that variety. And that is one thing I really do really love about engineering is that you can move around and try different things and you never really know where you're going to end up. As, as Poppy says, you, you think one thing is is your goal and that's what you're going to work on for the next for the next 10 20 30 years of your life and then something you know a curveball throws your way and you go oh actually I'm going to give this a go and you've got to be brave enough to take that opportunity um, and I think obviously being this being an inward podcast we should definitely mention it it's something that a lot of women aren't encouraged to do is to take those scary steps and those get out of their comfort zone and it were very sort of pre-programmed to step where we know we should step rather than yeah. where we don't know where we step I don't know if um, any of you guys have had any experience of that sort of uncertainty and having to go for it yeah well I, I can share a bit of my story so uh, I'm from a city called Manaus in Brazil uh, everyone knows that's the Amazon area so um, so basically we've got loads of companies, industries, because you have an industrial site in my city. So that's where my uh, life engineering started. I started just at um, uh, mechanical engineering there. And then I done loads of internships because you just have loads of opportunity. Whenever something related to aerospace. And uh, I think since I was a kid, I was like, I need to go into, I, I want to do big projects, you know, I want to do I want to do aircraft. I want to do a spaceship and, you know, save the humanity from the end of the world. <laughs> I had big dreams like this, you know, and I didn't know where to start because I didn't have a reference. I didn't see on TV, we may you know going to space. I didn't see, um, I don't know, engineering women uh, on advertisements, you know. So uh, I, I was like, well, there's no one, but I really want to do this. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, going to explore this. So I've done a technical course for uh, 
electronics uh, technician in the uh, high school, which was very demanding. And then I went to university and I was like, wow, I have to do electrical engineering, but it didn't work out for me. <laughs> so I changed to mechanical, you know, trying to chase that, that thing of aerospace. And uh, because there was an aerospace course in my city, I had to go through all the routes. Uh, and then I did try to get into the aerospace market in Brazil, but it's very, it's quite narrow. You have to go to cities like São Paulo, São José dos Campos, which is uh, quite far from where I live. So I would have to you know, uh, leave my city. I didn't have a job. My family couldn't support me financially if I want to go to another city. So it, it was, it was a quite difficult decision, but I just kept going, you know, kept going and until I ended up here in UK. <laughs> and it's amazing, you know, because here there's so much investment for aerospace. But again, for women, we still don't see enough women going to this route. I think that they, uh, something that I've seen for all the time, because uh, most of my, my, my classes were, you know, 40 men, 40 women, and uh, I, I was quite used to see this. So what I, I try to do now is, you know, uh, share my, my experience and see there are women in these areas. But of course, we have to, you know, motivate them and see that it's not, you don't need to just not love math, love physics or love, you know, these or that. I, I'm terrible in physics, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I really wanted to get into it and get into projects. And uh, I think if you have an objective, it gets somehow you get there. Yeah, it's, fu it's funny you say about um, you're used to it at university and um, being, you know, in the minority for, for gender sort of perspective. Because when I was at university doing maths, it's 50-50 for, for me. It was 50-50 oh, really? male and female. Yeah. So you don't, I, did, I didn't know. I came into engineering and was like, wait, where, where was all the women? Like it, it was a surprise. Oh. I didn't know. Whereas I know both Laura and Poppy, you guys did a year in industry. So how, how did that change? Like when you were going from sort of university, did you find it was quite consistent or did you find that it was a, it was a different sort of feeling between the two? I, oh, one, one thing I'll say, it's quite interesting what you said about 50-50, Sophie, because I, I think I was very lucky growing up. I'm from a, like historically my family, I have a lot of computer scientists and physicists. Mm. So my mum probably, I think, went to uni in about the 80s. Uh, she went off to computer scientist and computer science, and she was the only female on her her cohort. So I think for me, my mum's always been a bit of a, a role model, and I've never really had perhaps the barriers from home that some people might have done, um, and always been kind of encouraged at school. Um, and I'd say it certainly wasn't 50-50 at university for me doing aerospace, but going into industry. I did, I, I would say, notice a change beyond university. I think that is probably to do with the age that you then see in industry compared to maybe uh, the 18 to 25s that are kind of on my cohort now. So it's certainly, I'd say, growing. We're seeing like a, more females coming through. Um, I'd say there's still a long way to go. But yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely aware of it. And it's, it's something that I'm, I'm going to kind of keep in mind going through my career and, you know, never, you know, I want to see people for who they are and, and yeah. yeah. Laura, what do you think? Yeah, I remember that Laura uh, mentioned that her parents are very, not very supportive 
supportive. I don't know yeah. the family. And I know that that's very important because my family is very supportive. How, how, how did you do it, Laura? <laughs> <laughs> um, I get, so my, my, my family, um, uh, so I'm a mix of uh, uh, Chinese, Vietnamese and Cambodian backgrounds. Um, oh, wow. Um, my, my father's uh, side of the family um, were mostly in England and um, we, we were very close-knit as, as kids, um, with cousins and aunties and uncles and granddad and grandma. We'd spend a lot of time together, but it was a very patriarchal type of um, uh, culture. And um, we were never really sort of, as, as the girls, the boys were um, treated differently, but as, as the girls, we were sort of never really encouraged to like do great at school or, or do anything like that. It was very much a, um, yeah, sure, go out and get a job. But the most important focus was, you know, go get married, have children. Um, and um but at school I was like a real nerd. I I loved studying. Aren't we all? <laughs> I, I couldn't see that at all, Laura. I would never have known. My master super geek, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um so that's my dog in the background. <laughs> um, so you want to be in the podcast? <laughs> oh, you be. <laughs> it's going at the door. Um, so, what was I saying? Um, yeah, so we're, they were a nerdy. We really, yeah, because we were really encouraged to do that. Although my mum was very different. My mum was very supportive and she kind of wanted, she saw me being sort of like a pharmacist or, or something like that or, or even a doctor. But I kind of, I said, I, um, from quite a, a early on that um, I don't think a doctor would be for me because I faint at like blood and I don't think I could deal with like my patient's no. death and that sort of thing so I kind of rolled out a doctor and my mum said you know, well let's focus on you being a pharmacist so I kind of that was kind of what was in my head and it wasn't until I um, got into sixth form and we had a new physics teacher and he went have you thought about engineering I was like what on earth is that and I went to an all-girls school as well, so a shock, culture shock from going from an all-girls school into university, uh, where there were <laughs> not so many girls. Um, but um, because I had that buffer, I had a year in industry before I went to university, and I worked in civil engineering, and um, I worked in a team where actually there were quite a lot of women, and I didn't really see that um, the, such a big difference in sort of like the, the, the gap um, of like proportion of male to female is only when I went to university. Then when I came to BAE for the first time, I, I did see it. But since then, it's gotten so much better. And like the past couple of teams that I've worked in, I mean, so many inspiring women that I work with. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and actually, um, my family now are actually really supportive, including my dad, who actually came to uh, the Royal Aero um, to sort of cheer me on when I got an award, which I never thought he would do. But um, yeah, so everything's changed since then. They've changed the perception of what engineering is and how it actually is a really great career. I met your dad at that award ceremony. He was so proud. <laughs> like, I mean, I was proud of you, but he was very proud of you. And it was so nice to see that because I know you told me about sort of your, your the way again, but like a lot of your family's view has shifted, doesn't it? It's, it's become uh, more accepted, which is amazing news. Um, 
Yeah, Laura, it's interesting what you say about the not really knowing what engineering was, because I can relate to that bit. I know yeah. at school you do, I certainly did more pure subjects in like, you know, maths and physics and science. And I think it's difficult to understand what an engineering career might be. I think part of that is because it is so varied. It's quite hard to put your finger on what you might be going on to do. Um, I look at myself now and I'm an engineer through and through, but I could have quite easily not have gone and studied engineering like I might have you know, followed in Sophie's footsteps and, and done maths or something so Sophie I'm quite interested as to at what point you made the decision to or maybe it wasn't a decision maybe it just happened um, <laughs> yeah. to go into engineering. Yeah no I was very very lucky and um, like I don't come from a STEM background at all um, like I don't have anyone in my family that does any kind of STEM subject in fact my granddad used to call me a genetic malfunction in the nicest way but like he was like he was like I'm not sure where it comes from um, and uh, I was about 16 years old um, and I went to uh, Kennedy Space Center in the US and decided I wanted to be an astronaut still do um, still going for it um, and uh, I kind of Put my life towards that goal for the for however many years after that and then um I didn't really know how to do it how to get there um and so uh, I carried on studying maths just because I was good at it and I was encouraged to do it and when mm. I was at school and my parents they were very much advocates for education and as long as I studied a pure subject they thought I was going to be all right so um they they, they were um they they yeah, they encouraged me in a really nice way um but I didn't really know what an engineer was, like you say, like I genuinely thought an engineer fixed your washing machine until I was 19, because that was the only time I'd heard the word. Like I have a real thing about protecting the word because it really annoys me that I was 19 before I found out. Um, and I was really, really lucky. And I got to meet uh, Dr. Helen Sharman, who was the first British person in space. Um, and she was the first person ever to say, have you thought about engineering? And she opened my eyes and said, you know, engineering is inventing, it's creating, it's solving problems. It's not, you know, fixing satellite dishes, which, you know, nothing, not there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. It's just not what I wanted to do. Um, and she was the first person to open my eyes and go, okay, actually by doing this, I can leave a wider legacy beyond just um, my, my job. Do you see what I mean? You're actually contributing to something long-term and um, you get to use all your maths and science skills and, and you get to have fun and work with some really cool people. Because I think that's something we don't often talk about as well with engineering. So we work with some really cool people. Um, you know, my fellow, my fellow podcasters here um, <laughs> and beyond that, like there are some really amazing people. And I've got like right now I've got a fantastic team that I adore. And like um, it's you get to learn so much from these people, not just about the technical side, but just about, you know, day to day um, understanding of things and the way that they approach problems and things like that. And um, like I say, like, if I hadn't had that one moment with Helen Sharman, I don't think I would be an engineer, which is mad um considering it's so ingrained in my entire my life now being an engineer is like like an identity to me um so it it, it really goes to show how how um we are we need to get that word out there and we need to change that perception to people that don't have family members per se or, or sort of people that are friends and things that are in those industries like um like I see it at BAE quite a bit is if you ask somebody oh what got you to BAE or what got you into engineering they'll go oh my dad works here my uncle works here my so-and-so works here my friend works here my aunt moves or whatever it is they've usually got a family or friend connection and that's not to say you know that's how they got in but that's just how they knew about it um, and mm -hmm. how they got involved in it um, and I think we need to do a lot of work on that and I know the Royal Aero Society do a lot of work on outreach and working and um, 
across the UK trying to get as many people involved in all aspects of aerospace not just engineering um, and I know Laura yourself and, and Poppy as well you've been really heavily involved in sort of that young persons committee in Monfazek I don't know if you want to sort of talk about your experiences with them based on the fact that I'm a fair newbie <laughs> of about probably about 18 months Laura I think this is is probably one for you with your your experience I don't know I've just stepped down from the young persons committee so, <laughs> um, I think, um, I mean, there's, there's still quite a lot of work to do. And, and now that we're sort of international as well, so one of the, the society's objectives is to, to become international. And I, I'm going to sort of deviate from your question a little bit, Sophie, because I'm quite interested to know that, so in the UK, uh, we've talked a lot about the perceptions of engineering in the UK, but actually, um, Erica, what was it? What was it like um, in, in Brazil? Like, what's the perception of engineering in Brazil? Is it true to, to what we believe engineering is or, or is it the perception that we had as well of just um, sort of a very different type of engineer? Yeah, so, so in Brazil, we've got pretty much the, the same courses that we have here, you know, mechanical, civil engineering, uh, you know, chemical and everything. And so, uh, it is, it, it, I think that the feeling is the same, is it like you don't really know what's engineering until you have to choose what you want to study. So uh, for me, it was a bit different from, you know, most of people in Brazil because I started quite early in the technical area. So uh, when I was a kid, uh, I, I was studying in a private school. So uh, because the, my father's, uh, the company that my father worked, um, supported our, us financially but after when I went to high school it would change because the sport would stop so I was like I have to go to a public school because in Brazil uh, public schools uh, you know uh, technical schools or uh, public university they are the ones that everyone kind of want to go to because you don't have to pay for anything and they are kind of reference in Brazil so uh, so the school that I've been to is a technical school for high school, and I, I've done to do electronic uh, elect, electrical. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's, it's a technical course in electronics. So when I was there, everyone was like, "My next step is engineering." So I already had this in my mind. Well, my next step is engineering, but then I went to engineering, uh, and at the time that I started university. It was a generic, so you spend one year studying pure engineering, you know, calculus, physics, algebra, and then with this year, you get the best grades as possible, and then you choose which one you're going to go for. And for me, it was terrible. I thought, well, chemical engineering, maybe we call civil engineering, oh, too many, too many good people because it's the course that most of the people want to go for. It's like, you know... You, you choose the course they want to go and medicine is the one with the highest grade. So civil engineering was like this. So like, no, my grades are not that good for this. And then I thought electronics, but I started it and I quite didn't like it. But uh, uh, there was mechanical engineering. And then I thought, well, I don't want to really get there to you or anything. You know, mechanical engineering for me was like fixed motorcycles or fixed cars. And I was like, that, that's a bit boring for me. But then uh, there was one day that I spoke to a colleague and I was like, oh, I really want to get into aerospace and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, have you ever thought about mechanical engineering? And I was like, no. And I was like, what? Because 
uh, aerospace basically is a branch for mechanical engineering. So it makes more sense for you to go into that. So I was like, well, that makes sense. And then I started looking for it, but it, it, it wasn't, even the university, it wasn't something that really everyone knew what it was about. So I just found out, you know, because someone told me that would be interesting. And then I started researching. And when I got into the course, mechanical engineering, I start, you know, getting better grades because I was like, well, I'm really into it. It's exactly what I was looking for uh, to, to somehow get into aerospace. And uh, when I was in uni, it was quite good because uh, we, we were starting uh, research groups. So there was a research group for uh, to build cars, you know, uh, off-road off cars, and they go into competitions. And again, I was in that position. Well, that's not really what I'm looking for now. So I went to this Congress, in, uh, Congress in Brazil, and I met some people from uh, these groups that built uh, radio-controlled aircraft for competition. I'm not sure if there are here. I think there are some competitions similar to this. But uh, uh, yeah, so I was like, well, I have to start this group, some kind of the, some like, something like this in my university. So I went back to my university and I started asking people around, well, do you like aerospace? Do you like aeronautical engineering, which is a bit more, you know? <laughs> and I was like, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I started asking some of my friends, do, do you want to start a group about this and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, oh, we have to find that a professor, you know, to, to give us a bit more strength in this group. And then we found a professor and it was like, yeah, yeah, I'm into it. You know, so it started like this, but I was so, I want to make it happen. I want to make it happen. And then I start speaking to the director of the university and I spoke to the, so many people. And then they were like, well, it kind of, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You're going to give up. Uh, within one year and then I think because they told me that I was like well I'm gonna prove them wrong <laughs> yeah so <laughs> so so you know it, it, I, I heard I heard so many no's that I was starting to ignore them and just you know going uh, after it so yeah uh, we start getting people along and people uh, start getting more serious we got great funding from the government for this aeronautical group and the uh, yeah, we managed to create our first uh, uh, radio control aircraft. We managed to fly it. Um, we didn't get the first place the first <laughs> time we went to the competition. But I think it was a great experience and it was a great inspiration, not just for, for me and for the people involved, but for the whole university. Because now it is, this is a group that is still, is still um, active at the university. And... Uh, Lots of people we know want to do this as uh, going to the selective process and to gauge this group. And, and uh, I think that was a way that I found just to get involved in the area, but also to show people around that they can get into this area, even though we don't have this course in the city. And uh, I was especially uh, looking for women that would like to go for it because uh, I saw so many men, 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 men. I was like, well, let's give it some opportunities to the women as well. And it was really good because it was 50-50 by the time. It was really close to 50-50. And uh, it made me quite happy. Yeah. Interesting what you say about um, grades earlier, Erica, because 
actually I think in in the UK at least engineering is something I see as really quite an accessible career now I mean you can go off to university and um and study engineering and lots of UK uh, universities do do engineering courses because there's a need for so many engineers um but apprenticeships as well I think historically apprenticeships were absolutely massive and there might have been a little bit of a dip and they seem to be really um coming back now um but I'd say engineering itself being you know women being um maybe a minority I think possibly even more so in the apprenticeship world um and I'm hoping that is an area that you know in the next decade or so will um start to you know have more women coming into um because some some really great apprenticeships out there um yeah. I, I don't regret my university experience at all but um I think I'd have really loved to do mm. love to have done a um an engineering apprenticeship I know that Airbus has a really good apprenticeship scheme and uh it, it, it is so, you know, so big that uh, I think everyone in my department except me came from an apprenticeship scheme. Mm. So I have, so for example, my manager is there for more than 30 years and he started as an apprentice. So it, 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 it is really good indeed. And it, it, they, also, they also fund your, uh, your, your, uh, your university, so it's your course. So I know that here you have to, you have to kind of play, plan to, to pay for your graduation. So in Brazil, it's a bit different because if you, if you do a generic test uh, when you finish your high school, you can get straight to university. You don't have to have grades during, uh, good grades during high school. You can just literally do one test and that decides your future. Wow. Pressure in yeah. that test. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very stressful for, for us, uh, the final year of high school. Mm. But uh, yeah, uh, it is quite different. And uh, once we get into the public university, you don't have to pay for anything because, you know, it's public university and I, they are considered the best ones in Brazil. And uh, uh, yeah, so apprenticeship schemes are not very, I think, as popular as here. I think because I'm so emerged in this in you know, world of aerospace with Airbus that I saw I see so many apprenticeship uh, apprentices that uh, uh, I, yeah I just for me it's just that it's so big the apprenticeship schemes here and that is great because mm -hmm. just gives a lot of opportunities and I do see I, I do see women apprentices we had uh, we had two recent in the department and. Um, and, 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 you know, it keeps changing, one woman uh, and then a, a, a boy and it keeps mm. changing. So it's quite, uh, yeah, it's quite, it's quite mixed. Um, yeah, I'd say we're definitely getting more. Um, it's definitely increasing. Even, even in those what, seven years I've been working, it's definitely increased the sort of the percentage um, of, of women to men. And, um, and it, I, th I think part of that has come from the fact that there's been this real effort in aerospace to change the sort of image and to sort of get the representation out there to say, well, there are lots of fantastic, you know, engineers out there and there are women and it's, they just happen to be women rather than, you know, focusing on um, putting them out for that reason. And they've really changed that picture. Um, and I think that helps when you're looking at um, sort of the support and the mentoring that people need and, and ask for. So um, I don't know if you guys have mentors, like specific mentors or just generic general support that you get through through your work or through uh, your studies. Um, but I have found that you do get a different sort of 
uh, view or um, a different take on things when, when you have a mentor that is is uh, a woman rather than than a man. Um, I don't know if, if you guys have had any experience of that. Um, so I, I guess um, this is probably a good time to uh, mention the Alta Mentoring Scheme mm. the Royal Ireland School Society um, have, because um, I, I do think it's, it is important to have uh, uh, mentors. And I guess it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, you don't necessarily have to have mentors that work within your organisation as well. Um, and so, um, and, and, you know, it's, it's all you, you know. You can you can find mentors um, within your your organisation or or without, and and even I guess different industries uh, as well. So within engineering, but you know you could you could have um, um, different mentors, and it offers like different perspectives. And I think having a mentor really does help you sort of, um, for example, like um, going for professional registration, um, and, and and having someone sort of um, help you. Um, you know, uh, figure out what to write down on your your form, your your competencies, um, and that sort of thing. Some things like you may not have identified yourself. Um, you can talk through your your mentor for. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think that um, having a mentor, um, having someone sort of like, or, or you don't even have to want one mentor. You can have multiple. Um, I had multiple. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think each, each person uh, gives a different insight mm. indeed. I, I remember that my first mentor here um, was Alessandra Badino. She is uh, she works at uh, Airbus and uh, I, I met Alta. Uh, I heard about Alta before I joined Airbus. So uh, I, I, I was trying to find ways you know, to get uh, uh, well, opportunity within, within the company. And um, there was this meeting that uh, uh, was organized by Ross. Uh, uh, it was drinks in London. And I remember that, that I, I met some people from the Alta, some ladies from Alta. And it was really good because uh, by, by, by chance, I just got an offer to, to work at Airbus. And I had so many questions in my mind. I was like, oh my God, I don't and now what do I do? And then I met Alessandra. She that she 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 already worked at uh, Airbus and she's Italian, so she also it's you know it, it is not British uh, in the similar situation as me. So it was really good. We got in contact and uh, we had regular meetings uh, and we used the tools that Alta has available on this in the website. And it was really good. I think it was a great way to to start in this mentoring world and I think I definitely I will apply to be a mentor soon I was just a bit you know trying to to know how it works <laughs> but it, it is great it is a great uh, yeah great to to get involved with Alta and uh, any other mentoring scheme because it helps you go through the questions that you've got in your mind yeah. Have you got any, any mentor, Poppy? Did you ever have any mentor? I've never really been on a specific mentor scheme or been a mentor myself, no. But it's, um, I think for me, like I said earlier, I've been quite lucky to have a good support network around me growing up and, go, you know, going through school and university. I think I found, you know, quite natural mentors. I mean, I think Laura, in some respects, was a mentor for me when I joined the YPC of the Royal Arrow um although isn't uh you know on paper a mentor I kind of 
find those people who I, you know, cling arms to um, and see as, as role models. But definitely something I think when I, you know, do the daunting professional registration in the in the future, um, that will be it'll be good for that. But what, I think what's important is knowing that the mentorship's there and that the support is the support is available. Um, and then I think one day, yeah, I myself would like to be, you know, a mentor uh, for somebody. I think uh, to to finish us off, do you think it would be good to maybe go through some advice to maybe our younger selves or maybe anyone who's listening? I'm not sure how we should. You read my mind. Go on, Laura, do you want to start us off then? Um, I guess it, it kind of follows on from sort of the, the mentor conversation and um, inspiration. So um, my fellow podcasters, you're very inspirational women um, in engineering. Um, and I think my advice for sort of um, anyone who um, can, wants to consider um, going into engineering at any age, you know, don't have to be, uh, this not specifically, you know, uh, um, students or anything like that is that um, you you forge your own um, career path um, and yeah, take inspiration from from others that you see and it's really great now that we've got very visible role models um, but don't don't try and follow uh, the exact footsteps of um, someone that you 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 want to be just like because it may work for them, it may not work for you. So um, make, um, well, find your, your choices, make informed decisions and follow your own path because you'll get there, you will. That's my, my advice. <laughs> Erica? Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense, you said, because uh, I, was, I, I always try to find role models uh, for me to follow the path, you know, to know where to go. But I figure out that it is not like this. There isn't a, a cake recipe that you're gonna follow and it's gonna work exactly the same way for you. Uh, but I think, yeah, yeah, create your objectives. You know, if you don't know what you want, it's really difficult to find out what you really want. Every all the time, it changes. So first, find out what you want. Uh, create objectives, long term, short term. But uh, once you have the objectives, it is easier to go for it. It is not going to be an easy path, but it's going to be easier for you to find out uh, what is the next step once you know what you want. And that 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 what works for me because uh, I wanted to go into aerospace, so I went through totally different a uh, path as you all you ladies been through, and we are all here together, you know. So different things worked for us and uh, yeah don't give up and don't give up in the first no use a no as a fear a fear <laughs> for you to keep going because you're going to receive more no's than yes but once you receive the yes it is going to change your life uh, like change your mind um, yes and uh, yeah don't give up and uh, uh, try to get as many experiences as you can during university because they are definitely gonna be uh, they're gonna then they're gonna have a, a big weight in your CV uh, for the future and yeah and thank you very much for you know, inviting me and I feel quite important to be here because <laughs> <laughs> you are important like <laughs> yeah oh thank you. <laughs> 
Yeah, my my advice is I think very very similar. It's um, you know follow follow your heart and do what you enjoy. Don't let anyone tell you that that you 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 can't achieve something. You know you've got to give it a go. Um, and then I think just keep an open mind as well. I've, I've certainly probably learned that more recently with you know going on to do postgraduate, just something I never thought I'd do. But keep an open mind and um, yeah, see where it takes you, Sophie. Yeah, um, I think I'll finish on a sort of a more softer piece of advice um, in that don't be too hard on yourself. Um, I think we're, we're all quite critical of ourselves, particularly when it comes to, you know, getting things right and perfect. Um, and it can be like that with your career and thinking, oh, I need to be by this at this stage, by this point, I need to have achieved this, I need to do that, I want to be able to do this and I need to get to this level, I need to conquer this, whatever it is. Um, and you can drive yourself insane comparing yourself and trying to get to that point. Um, and, you know, if you don't hit that hurdle, it's not the end. It's not like, you know, it, particularly when you think of like, if we go right back to doing your GCCs, A-levels or the equivalent across the world in, in their sort of grades, if you don't hit them, it's not the end. It's not the end of the world. Don't be so hard on yourself and rule yourself out before you've even tried something else um, or tried another route, as it were. And it's the same as you go throughout your entire career. You don't, you know, you don't have to be managing director by 25. Like, no, it's, that's okay. Um, you don't have to have founded a tech company by 25. Like, it, that, that's okay. Um, you just don't, I'm don't be too hard. I'm gone. Exactly. Me too, <laughs> mate. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Like, you, you, you go at your own pace and you do what you do. Don't be too hard on yourself if you don't reach those goals as quickly or ever. Um, it's, it's not the end of the world. Um, there, there's always something more. Um, as the uh, the, fa the famous my fa favorite song in the world is Vienna by Billy Joel because Vienna beats waits for you is kind of like my mentality is you keep going towards your goal and it will get you'll get there one day but if you don't get there it doesn't matter because something else is always waiting for you so yeah so that's my softer bit of advice to end yeah. on um, there well I could chat to you all day um, but I, I guess we've got to we've got to close it somewhere um, thank you very much fellow podcasters, you awesome, awesome women, um, and happy in wed. You guys too. Thank you for having us. Thank, Thank you. you. Very much.